Good evening. 10 p.m. Good evening on the East Coast, 7 o'clock on the West. Uh, and the rest, this is a new time for us. We are excited. We are expecting some new eyeballs tonight, and we very, very much appreciate it. By the way, it doesn't matter all that much when you watch us, although I'm really pleased you're watching us right now, but you can stream us on the app. There's a million ways to consume content these days. The important part is the content. And this show is different. Number one, this is an opinion show. This is commentary. This is the world through my eyes, and I don't pretend to be neutral. I'm not going to pretend that anything regarding Joe Biden and this situation is normal. Joe, what has he brought us? Well, I like peace and prosperity, right? Peace abroad, prosperity at home. He has brought the absolute opposite. The mainstream media, they are pretending this is normal, and they are buying his excuses. Blame Putin, oh, and blame Trump. And he's doing so much better than Trump. Just ask Joe. <laughs> 20 million Americans had lost their jobs on the last guy. In fact, so many Americans lost their jobs that my predecessor became just the second president in history to leave office with fewer jobs in America than when he took office. This is the most horrendous and dishonest spin from a president perhaps ever. We know what's happening. We're on the verge of a recession. Thanks to him and his policies, things were going great. And the mainstream media pretends that actually even his excuses are normal. You know, he also blames Putin for a lot of things. We, the American people, know Putin. Well, he would not have invaded Ukraine if Donald Trump were still in office. The polls are so obvious, so overwhelming, the people understand it. And they also understand that we would not have lost Afghanistan like Joe did. No way. You think President Trump would have stood for this? Absolutely not. And at the very least, I've actually seen President Trump up close. He never would have been checking his watch at the memorial service. Never. The media didn't even mention that. They cover up for him. They are, quite frankly, despicable. Some of them are individually nice people, but as a group, they are corrosive. And Donald Trump was not wrong when he said, the enemy of the people. Now let's talk about Donald Trump, because you should know this about me. I like him. I like his style. I even like the tweets. And I love the policies, all right? I mean, peace and prosperity, and the frankness, the candor, the no-nonsense, it was great, I miss it. Yes, I love the substance, and I also love the style. I know it's very vogue to say, if only he didn't tweet that way. I actually was fine with the tweets, and actually, I miss him. Now, I was there at the very beginning. I'm proud of this, because so many people in the media were there when Donald Trump declared. They may have been there in person, but most actually just watched on TV. Actually, very few were there in person, but you know who was? I'm going to give you the origins of this show, okay? Where I'm coming from. I was in the room when he declared. It was kind of by accident. I was on my way home. Uh, my co-anchor at the time was friendly with uh, Michael Cohen. There I am, circled, you see? You can tell by my hairline. That's, uh, that is me, all right, standing next to Rosanna Scotto. Anyway, I listened to what he had to say. I had no expectations, zero Shortly afterward, a camera approached. I had no idea who they were, what they uh, were affiliated with. 
Turned out it was Access Hollywood and Billy Bush, his show. Anyway, this was my first reaction, and I stand by it because I was right. I think he might be a game changer in this race. Listen to that speech. It's going to go over well uh, in certain precincts in Iowa, New Hampshire. This is a big deal. This is not a joke. I felt the earth move almost. I knew everything had changed and everything has changed. And quite frankly, I give myself points for seeing it before basically anybody else, at least in the media world. The people, however, understood. And I feel pretty comfortable with the people because, folks, I'm just people. I did not grow up in the corrupt media culture. I actually grew up, I came of age, if you will, in the United States Marine Corps. People say, thank you for your service. You know what? I say, America, thank you for the experience. It was a tremendous privilege to serve in the United States Marine Corps for nine years active duty and a dozen in the reserves. All kinds of experiences that I could never have as a civilian, meeting all kinds of people from all over the country. I'm so grateful to this country, I really am. And if I had not done that, if I had not gone into the Marine Corps, I don't know what I would be today. And I certainly would not, I wouldn't be the, whatever I am. Am I a talk show host? Am I a journalist? I started out as a reporter, a street reporter, and I never felt comfortable actually with the people in the media. They were different. They were certainly different from the folks I served with in the Marine Corps. They were, what, ultra competitive, not very collegial, not very helpful. I just, quite frankly, never fit in. And that's just fine. You don't wanna fit in with these folks for the most part. There are some nice people, but no, no. And then I went to Iraq again, this time as a reporter. We've seen military vehicles. We've also seen a lot of civilian white pickup trucks come at us almost on suicide missions. Fire returned by Bradley fighting vehicles as well as tanks. So I spent a long time in Iraq, multiple trips, probably nearly a year if you added it all up. And it was quite an experience. And I knew that we should not be there. I actually knew that before, during, and after. Uh, I'm very proud of my coverage. I never chose, I never tried to justify that war, quite frankly, because I knew it was a mistake. It's one of the reasons why I was so taken with President Trump's campaign. He knew that war was a mistake. And in Republican circles, you were not supposed to say that. But he did. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? It was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. A thousand percent right. It was a waste of treasure and of lives. And friends of mine lost their lives. And some came back, but forever changed. And then I remember, I'll never forget, I was in the room at the Washington Hilton when George W. Bush cracked jokes about not finding weapons of mass destruction. I mean, he should have been panicked, ashamed. Perhaps he should have considered resignation. Instead, he joked about it. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs>
Nope, no weapons over there. Maybe under here. Almost as bad as the jokes, no weapons of mass destruction, and we went to war because of weapons of mass destruction. The laughter in the room, the mainstream media, the elite media, laughing their heads off. I knew I did not belong for long with that crowd. And that brings me back to Donald Trump. Again, his fearlessness to take on the establishment and to not worry about the blowback. This is really pure populism. He thinks about the people, not the press, not the elites, it's us. A lot of times you'll have, you'll have, and, and it doesn't work very well. With How tough is it a to lot take of a times, property from an elderly talk, woman? Let me talk, quiet. How tough a lot is of it? times, a lot of times, that's all of his donors and special interests out there. So, One in a trillion people could handle booze like that. He's that one. <laughs> it's amazing. Most cave, they get nervous, they run, they retreat. He knew what was happening. It's true. The lobbyists, the donors, they were the one. For Jeb Bush, they were the ones. But the people, no. It's actually, we're fortunate to be alive right now and witnessing this kind of leadership. Uh, not in office now, but I think he's coming back. Something else that we'll be talking a lot about and have talked a lot about on this program, race. Because right now, America is having a very stupid conversation about race to avoid having a serious, consequential, helpful conversation about race. So much is, almost everything we hear is nonsense, everything. And for one brief shining moment, you know who was prepared to actually lead a legitimate and helpful conversation about race? Barack Obama. Now, he didn't apparently mean all this. I think he was just conning us, or maybe he meant it for a moment. He did it once and never again. This is all the way back in 2008, when he was trying to get people to like him. White people, by the way. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. That's pretty frank talk, right? And only he could do it because, well, black father, went to Harvard. Nobody else can talk like that, right? But he did, <laughs> and he kept at it for this one speech. We need fathers to recognize that responsibility doesn't just end at conception. Yes, that doesn't just make you a father. What makes you a man is not the ability to have a child. Any fool can have a child. That doesn't make you a father. It's the courage to raise a child that makes you a father. If only he had stayed with this. If only. But he didn't. One more interesting thing he said that day. Whether we're black or white, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're from 
the south side or the wealthiest suburbs. The first lesson I think that all of us has to embrace is the idea of responsibility. That the, the idea of, of taking responsibility for your actions and taking responsibility for those that you love. Well, guess who didn't like what Barack Obama was putting down? They weren't picking it up. The left, Jesse Jackson, hardcore liberals, no way. You're not gonna talk to us like that. In fact, Jesse Jackson threatened him and it was caught on mic. He threatened to uh, basically castrate him. Listen. Cut his uh, off. Well, Barack Obama was scared and he didn't do it again. And then it was all about him and using race as an issue to divide us and secure his power, his prestige, and now his wealth. And now, all these years later, 14 years after we elected a black man president, we are back to having the most ludicrous conversation about race that more than anything has been demonizing people, especially white women. You've heard about this whole Karen thing. This is something that, um, well, is near and dear to me. I don't like anybody maligned because of what they look like or what they can't control, whether it's a black man, a white woman, an eight, who cares? But it's happening and no one's defending them. This is one of the most, unfortunately to me, because I hear she's a very nice person and she's a victim here, the famous Central Park Karen. Horrible label. Her name is Amy Cooper. And she was harassed in the park by an individual. She was threatened by this guy, Christian Cooper. He threatened her. Now, nobody in the mainstream media will tell you that, but he did. I'm gonna show you in a moment, but first, her reaction to being threatened. There is an African-American man I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. I'm sorry, I can't hear you that. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. Well, the mainstream media and everybody else went crazy on her. They canceled Amy Cooper. Oh my God, did you hear what she said? She said African-American man out loud. Well, she was calling 911. That's the second thing they ask. If you say somebody is bothering you, man, woman, they want to know. They will ask, what race? Is that why they're canceling her? Because she said African-American? Well, let's get to the part where Christian Cooper, the bird watcher in the park, actually threatened her. They were having an argument because she didn't want to have her dog on the leash. And this is Christian Cooper. According to him, he wrote this up for his Facebook page. Me, Christian Cooper. All you have to do is take him to the other side of the drive, outside the ramble, and you can let him run off the leash all you want. Her, it's too dangerous. Now, they've been going back and forth like this. Then he says this. Look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. What's that? Come here, puppy. Now, where is this going? This is, I'm going to do something and you're not going to like it? Next, please. He won't come to you. Me. We'll see about that. This is getting very creepy. I pull out the dog treats I carry for just such intransigence. I didn't even get a chance to toss any treats to the pooch before Karen, that racist term, scrambled to grab the dog. 
don't touch my dog. That's when I started video recording with my iPhone and when her inner Karen fully emerged and took a dark turn. Well, it took a dark turn when you threatened her, pal. You did. And you wrote it up on your Facebook page. Anybody in the world could have accessed it. And they did, and they ignored it. They ignored the part where you threatened her. Because right now, Amy Cooper is a white woman and she has no status. She has no status. I think everybody has status, by the way. Every human being does. But this is a campaign, I think, to get white women to vote a certain way. It also happened to this uh, Brooke Mueller in St. Louis. Take a look at her. Now, this woman is totally fine. She was protecting herself and following the rules of her apartment building. They called her a Karen because she lives in the apartment building. There's no doorman. You're supposed to have a special little key fob to get in. And there's some stranger she doesn't recognize. Who are you? I'm sorry, I can't let you in. Here's what happened. Excuse me. No. You don't have a key fob. You are... No. 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 If you have that, then okay. Ma'am, you're not security. You're not the property manager. You're not my car. No, but I live here. I don't like the fact you have your phone in my face. Okay, I don't like the fact that you're blocking me for where I pay. All I'm asking is what unit. But I don't need to tell you that information, ma'am. If you want to come into my building. It's not your building. You're not the owner. Can you show me the key code into this building? I'm not showing you anything. In a second, ma'am, I'm bound to walk through where I live at. No. Okay. Can you show me the key code into this? No. Excuse me. No. Excuse me. Are you kidding me? So, at worst, this is a disagreement between two people about access to a door. At worst. Look at what the... This was international news, ladies and gentlemen. David Muir from the ABC Nightly News and all of his friends went crazy on what you just saw. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Staying on the story of a white woman who was caught on camera refusing to let a black man into the condo building where they both live. The video reeks of a phenomenon that's playing out all over the country. White people calling the police on black people doing everyday things. She was harassing him a little, like she yeah, could yeah, have ended yeah. it if she was afraid of him. She could yeah, have walked yeah. away, but she just kept following him. I mean, it's a, it's a weird form of harassment that we have to be careful of. And yeah. he handled himself so he beautifully. Yeah. 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 So beautifully. He made a federal case out of it. He would not cooperate with a neighbor, right? It had to become international news. You see what I mean about how stupid, how ridiculous this conversation about race is and how there's a narrative. And they have the expectations that we go along with it, whatever your color. You got to go along with the storyline. I will not. Quite frankly, I care too much about this country. I care too much about, yes, my fellow man. I don't care what you look like. And by the way, I'm not proud to be a white man, a straight white man. I'm not. But I'm not ashamed of it either. And more and more from this culture, I'm getting that somehow I have something to be ashamed of. No. And one of the reasons why I'm not proud, I had nothing to do with picking any of this stuff. I was born this way. I don't get the pride thing in just being born a certain way. I don't. All right. Something else we do here. We stick up for the cops who are under fire, under attack really is crazy what's happening to them. Cops are obviously the good guys. They are. 
and you see it all the time. I remember, I'll never forget this uh, photo. He didn't even know he was being photographed. That's Officer, take it full if you don't mind, Lawrence DePrimo. It's a freezing night in December, a couple of years ago, way before Black Lives Matter. He bought this guy a pair of boots with his own money because he's a homeless guy with no shoes. Things like that happened all the time. If only you would look, if only you would acknowledge. And now, systemically, all cops are bad because of George Floyd. I mean, how many lies, quite frankly, have we been told about this case? So many. We'll talk about more of those as we go on at 10 o'clock. But what happened as a result? Cops were delegitimized, canceled almost. The yelling, the screaming, the tormenting. They don't deserve any of this. None of it. These are the good guys. But suddenly, scenes like these were glorified. I mean, they destroyed a police station, and that's okay. And then we have Joe Biden entering into the whole debate. As a career politician, I can assure you, Joe Biden knows absolutely nothing about (laughs) almost anything, especially law enforcement issues, okay? Um, Listen to this. Why is a police officer showing up to the suicide threat, someone trying to jump off a building? We need more social workers there. What does Joe Biden think they're going to do? Just show up blasting, right? If all of his time in politics, he thinks so little of cops. Look at the sensitivity, actually. They have talked people (laughs) off of bridges. They have. The Golden Gate, this happens all the time. And one of the reasons why you need cops there, Joe, is sometimes these guys change their mind and they have to be rescued. And sometimes they actually try to take people with them. That can be very complicated. And you need ropes and pulleys and yes, maybe, just maybe a weapon. Not too many social workers are gonna climb up the side of the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay, Joe, part of the reason why this is, well, something I'm passionate about, I grew up in a law enforcement family. My dad, Ray Kelly, uh, the day I was born, he was a uh, just, I think he just became a police sergeant. And he went on to become the longest serving police commissioner in New York City history. I hate the current debate and discussion about law enforcement in America. It is a phony and dishonest one, except when it comes to the January 6th cops. More on them in just a moment. I also think on this show and elsewhere, it's okay to talk about the November 2020 election, don't you? I mean, (laughs) they can talk about January 6th. I have concerns about the fairness of the election. You should too. I mean, what happened in Pennsylvania? The Constitution of Pennsylvania seems to have been violated. It is okay, folks, to have these discussions, certainly if they can talk about January 6th. By the way, they're not talking about January 6th, the way they should be talking about that day. It's all about what Trump said to Steve Bannon or Steve Bannon said to Trump. I want to know more about the decisions that were made regarding security before January 6th and on January 6th. Like, who is this cop who just walks away? You've seen him before, right? The little cop. Look at this. Flagging people in. Come on in. The Capitol is this way. How about the cops who just stood by as protesters, whatever, visitors, tourists, just came on in. Hello, welcome to the Capitol. And the three cops just outside the House of Representatives who, things are kind of uh, pretty intense there. They decide at the moment of truth to take a coffee break. 
there they go. And then all hell breaks loose. And then shortly after, an unarmed woman by the name of Ashley Babbitt, a United States Air Force military veteran who served in Iraq, is killed, even though she was unarmed and did not pose a deadly threat. We will never let go of this case. Never. The fact that there are not daily protests about that, it's an embarrassment. That is such a disgrace. Meanwhile, we have to hear about certain hand-picked cops who seem to have a political agenda, my opinion, um, and listen to their tales of woe, which, quite frankly, aren't that bad. Caroline Edwards in prime time last week. What happened to her again? And so I looked back to see what had hit him, what had happened, and that's when I got sprayed in the eyes as well. Um, I was taken to be decontaminated by another officer, um, but we didn't get the chance because we were then tear gassed. And she's been on light duty ever since. Capitol Hill police officer, not in uniform because she's on light duty because of what she went through on January 6th. She also fell down. Meanwhile, on January 6th, not far from where she was, they were dragging Ashley Babbitt out of that building as if she were a wheelbarrow. Now look at that, they take her out backwards. She was wounded in the shoulder and neck. You see how they're carrying her with her head down and the man in the back with the feet. You elevate the wound, everybody, you elevate the wound. But we're just going to overlook this, right? Because. Oh, these folks were, well, they were deplorables, right? So, one more thing about the cops. We support cops, but I don't like them being used for political purposes. I've got big problems with these guys, but at the end of the day, they're cops, and they are being used. I don't think they know it. Maybe they do, and they're going along with it. I don't know how I feel about them, actually. Actually... We'll take a look because I think this was an act. So I know because of the, all the chemical that I, my uniform had it on. Sorry. I was carried back inside. What happened afterwards is much less vivid. One of the invaders approached me like he was going to try to get past me and head down the stairs. I was stunned by what I saw. It was too contrived. I don't buy their story. I don't. But I'll tell you this. I don't like those guys, but I love them. That's my policy, actually. Folks, we can put them down now. I don't. I don't like everybody, but I love everybody. Does that make sense? I'm pretty harsh with people here, but everybody is God's creation. Everybody's here for a reason. Uh, God wants us closer to him. I know this for a fact. I know this, maybe you do too. Um, he got my attention several years ago. I thought I had all the answers. I did not, I did not have a clue. Somebody gave me a Bible as a gift and I said, well, when did you become such a church lady? I don't need this. I sat there for years. And then years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, I started reading it and reading it and realizing what a fool I had been. And this is all true. It's all true.
Have you taken this journey? It's one I speak about from time to time on this show. I, I, it's the most important thing. And by the way, if you need a little tip, I'm going to give you one on this in this regard because the Bible can be very confusing at times. The gift that I was given was the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. And the thing that I love about this, Charles Stanley is a minister in Atlanta, and it has little footnotes and explainers in there, little essays that can help you understand the good word. And uh, I highly recommend it. And um, I also think we should point out that it's Flag Day. Flag Day. Gay Pride Flag Day. If you look at the Bible, you actually realize, I'm not getting into the gay part, I'm getting into the pride part. (laughs) The pride part is discouraged. Pride is not a good thing, actually. Anything that does not come from God isn't seen as all that hot. And everywhere we go in New York, on June 14th, Flag Day, very few American flags, lots of gay pride flags, even on churches, by the way. Um, again, it's the pride part that's gotten carried away. I don't remember a gay pride month like this. Do you? This is a bit over the top. This is, I'm not sure what's happening, but uh, one more time. It is flag day. And it's also Donald Trump's birthday, June 14th. Talk about a guy who, who loves the flag. All right. Stay with us. That's a little bit of uh, how we operate here. Some of the things we hold dear, at least on this show, I hope you'll tune in tomorrow night at 10. That's our new arrangement, 7 on the West Coast, and you know the rest in between. When we come back, what is up with Fox News and Donald Trump always giving him a hard time, always trying to trip him up? I don't like it. Do you? All right. Also, we will have special election coverage. Tom Basile. It's primary night in several states across the country. Be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. Is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? <laughs> Again, they pretended that Joe Biden is a normal guy. They pretend every day, especially today, when it was so obvious that the guy is insane, borderline. Uh, he spoke to the AFL-CIO in Philadelphia. Is this how a normal person talks, let alone pre- a person? Not only is it infrastructure weak, We've arrived at infrastructure decade. The middle class built this country, and unions built the middle class. <laughs> I'm not joking. Without unions, there'd be no middle class. Union partnerships will allow workers to earn while they learn. We're making Buy American a reality, not just a slogan. I award no contracts. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. (laughs) He's an angry, nasty snob. The key to understanding Joe Biden is he is a snob. Oh, and he never tells the truth. He really doesn't. I mean, the first time I became aware of Joe Biden was 
back when I was in high school or college and Joe was, well, caught lying like crazy on the campaign trail. This is an incredible moment. This should have kept him out of elected politics, certainly presidential politics forever. Everything he says in this clip is false. Listen. What law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have again. a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. <laughs> All right. None of that's true. He gets busted. You know the story, but I still find it totally, totally fascinating. But a couple of days later, he thinks because he's Joe Biden and he's, you know, destined to be president, he can talk his way out of this. Back then, the media weren't afraid to confront the Democrat with evidence of his lies. Look at what happened. Do you feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, and, uh, I, uh, um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to, uh, stand and you can make, you all can make that judgment. I feel very capable of, uh, using my mouth and sync with my mind. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's something beyond being the pompous snob and the liar. There's something else going on here. The media back then were not afraid to, uh, yeah, I mean, tell the truth to everybody about a liar. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. His memory had failed him. Well, fast forward 35 years, and somehow this guy is president of the United States. It does not make sense. It does not make sense one bit. And when he's not lying, he's... Uh, certain inalienable rights, life, liberty. We've never met the goal, but we've never other than Trump administration tried to walk away from that goal. Never other than Trump administration. Something about Trump, trying to blame Trump again. Uh, but he's been doing some of this stuff all of his life. It's like muscle memory, just words that sound good, and you say them. I promise you, I'm going to keep fighting for you. Are you prepared to fight with me? Well, let's build it together. Let's continue to give working families a fighting chance. Face our challenges head on. And let's keep building a better America because we can do it. God bless you all. Yeah. Uh, did you really listen to what he was saying? We can do it. This is stuff that Joe saw in a movie, literally. Back when Joe became a big shot, when he was 29 years old, first elected to the United States Senate all the way back in 1972, one of the biggest movies in America right around then was The Candidate with Robert Redford. 
a young, good-looking guy gets elected to the United States Senate when nobody thinks he can win. And this is the kind of speech he delivers, just a, a bunch of feel-good stuff that sounds good. This was in vogue in 1972, and Joe has stuck with it ever since. All a man can say is, here I am. And that's what I say to you tonight. Here I am. I'm willing to give it all I've got. Let's make it again. I saw something out there tonight. Believe me, this is really effective. I can feel it. You can do it. You can go all the way. Look, at you and I both know this is but the point is, they're believing it. Bill, come on, the quad's waiting. Come on. Okay. Right. Excuse me. It's good to see you, Pete. You and I both know this is nonsense, but they're believing it. This is Joe Biden. This, and that's Mike Barnacle, by the way. Mike Barnacle caught plagiarizing a bunch of times. And now every day you can see him on MSNBC. Yeah, the same guy playing himself in the movie. Hey, we have a big problem, as you know, with liberal media. Sometimes we even have a problem with conservative media when they don't give President Trump the benefit of the doubt. Britt Hume on Fox News. If they succeed, either by damaging him or staining him, such that he is either unable or, uh, for legal or political reasons, to run again, they might end up finding out that they've done the Republican Party a great service, because I think a great many Republicans think they can't win with Trump at the head of the ticket again. Um, they're, they're afraid of his supporters and don't want to come out against him directly, um, but they'd like him to go away. If the effect of this committee is to make his possible candidacy go away, I think a great many Republicans would privately be very glad. We call them rhinos. I wonder if Britt Hume would be privately very glad. Seems that way. You know what? They should be afraid of us because we believe in Trump. He has not lied to us like everybody else. And he fought for us. They all say they're going to fight for us, but they never do. And that committee, by the way, is totally illegitimate. Totally. It's right out of the Soviet Union. We cannot, we cannot accept whatever the hell it is they find. Stay with us. John Kerry, there he is, back when he was turning his back on U.S. troops. Now he's uh, an ex-Secretary of State, an ex-Senator, and he's telling the auto industry what kind of cars they should be selling. We'll be right back. John Kerry, back when he was uh, turning his back on all the troops in Vietnam for himself, accusing his fellow soldiers of war crimes, he was totally terrible. The Swift Boat Veterans for Truth, they were so right. And then he starts his career in politics. You know, he was Michael Dukakis's deputy. Yeah, he was lieutenant governor of Massachusetts before he became a United States senator. And then he was off and running. And now, of course, he's... Uh, Mr. Climate, right? Although he still gets to fly on a, on a private jet, of course. And here he is today telling the, well, bragging to an audience that we're not going to be selling any gas-fueled cars in 13 years. In just 13 years, this career politician has seen to it that only electric cars will be sold by the American automobile industry. President Biden has made a very significant commitment for the United States to be, first of all, power sector carbon free by 2035, by 2035 to only be producing electric vehicles. The man has just spent entirely too much time in Switzerland. All right. 
That's his problem. It's always been his problem. Too much time in Switzerland and windsurfing. Hey, when we come back, the Border Patrol guys who were on the horses, I thought they were going to be vindicated. They certainly should have been. They did nothing wrong. They're being brought up on administrative charges of some type. Now, this is just into Newsmax. We're just getting into the information. We'll have more when we come back. They won't give you the facts. They don't tell the truth. Their bias is incredible. Now, millions are turning to Eric Bowling, the balance, to get the real story. Watch him on Newsmax. Well, sounds like they're getting a raw deal. The Border Patrol agents, officers who are on these horses, they're still in trouble. And tomorrow they could be brought up on administrative charges. Now, you'll remember when these images became uh, public back in the fall of 2021, all hell broke loose on the left. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they were yelling and screaming, and they swore that these guys would be held responsible but experts looked at the footage, and you know what they saw? Officers behaving appropriately with horses and with illegal immigrants trying to get into our country. Uh, administrative ch charges could be filed tomorrow. These are not criminal. They could be charged with conduct unbecoming. And one of the things they may nail them on, harsh language that they used. We'll be following this. We'll be right back. Okay, that's uh, Kathleen Biden when she was married to Hunter. Now she goes by Kathleen Buell. Fortunately, she got away from that guy. They're divorced. She just wrote a book. It's called If We Break, A Memoir of Marriage, Addiction, and Healing. Good for her. I'm glad she's out of that situation. Of course, you know what happened, right? Now, Bo, the late brother, was married to a woman named Haley. Hunter's married to Kathleen. Bo dies, and then Hunter starts hooking up with Haley. A horrible situation, right? And then they go on vacations together and they put them up online and all kinds of pictures, right? And she's heartbroken by all of this. Joe Biden, when he finds out about it, puts out a statement saying that this is all beautiful. We are lucky that Hunter and Haley found each other as they were putting their lives together. Anyway, they have mine and Jill's full and complete support. We are happy for them. What kind of people say something like this? Good for Kathleen Buell. It's in the book. She was devastated by all of this, of course. I think we should buy it. I think we should support her. I want her to sell more copies than Hunter did on his crummy book. They won't give you the facts. They don't tell the truth. Their bias is incredible. Now millions are turning to Eric Bowling, The Balance, to get the real story. Watch him on Newsmax.